Welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of In Systems We Trust. My name is Marquis, and I'm your host. After 24 years as a U.S. Army paratrooper, as well as four combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, Colonel David Fivecoat, U.S. Army retired, founded the Fivecoat Consulting Group. He now blogs, speaks, coaches gritty leaders, and helps develop gritty organizations. A native Ohioan, David Fivecoat resides in Columbus, Georgia. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be on this. Uh, I'm a systems and processes guy, and so uh, uh, excited to see where this discussion takes us. Perfect. You're in the right place. We're going to have a good chat, I know, and your story is just so interesting, your background. So why don't we just start there? If you can just elaborate on the bio that I just read, what, what's your story? What's your background uh, You know, when it comes to the military? And I'd love to just understand how you went from you know, um, colonel in the Army to where you're at right now as your your own um your own business owner yeah yeah no uh, happy to talk about it uh i grew up in delaware ohio which is about 20 minutes north of uh, columbus ohio and there really wasn't a uh family connection to the military my dad was a math teacher and high school coach and uh first person in his his family to go to college uh, and my mom worked with computers in a variety of businesses as, as I was growing up. Um, but I love to read and I love to read about World War II and all the American generals had attended West Point. And so when it came time to apply to colleges, I applied and got into West Point early and eventually made the decision to, to attend West Point. Uh, sometimes I regretted that decision while I was at there because my college experience is dif- was different than a lot of your listeners' college experience. Uh, as we like to joke, we were institutionalized uh, for four years. Uh, but uh, phenomenal mm-hmm. education, made some lifelong friends uh, out of West Point, and it set me up uh, as it's supposed to for a lifetime of service uh, to the nation. I, I commissioned as an infantry officer. And uh, that was one of my goals while I was at West Point. I had some mentors uh, and I went to the 82nd Airborne Division uh, as a brand new uh, second lieutenant there in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And we actually trained up to do the invasion of Haiti back in 1994. And we got our parachutes on and loaded up with live ammunition and flew halfway down to parachute in to Haiti. Uh, And the, the dictator in Haiti actually capitulated. And so we turned around and came back. Uh, and, uh, I just decided to stay in the army cause, uh, my sort of approach to it was I was going to stay in the army till it stopped being fun. And every couple of years, uh, the army would throw a new challenge at me or a new assignment or a new location. And I kept having fun at it until eventually I got to, to 24 years as a, as a Colonel and, uh, decided to retire oh. along the way. Like the bio said, uh, I, I commanded at the platoon level, which is about 40 guys, the company level, uh, which is about 150 guys, battalion, which is 700, and then a brigade, which was several thousand. Um, and uh, and spent a lot of time over the, overseas, both before 9-11 and after 9-11. I went to 
uh, Korea, Kosovo, Bosnia, uh, three times to Iraq, and then a, a time in Afghanistan where I was the battalion commander of a 700-person uh, organization. But at, at that point in time, uh, after 24 years in, uh, I decided the Army wanted to move me. I've got a 12-year-old daughter here in Columbus, Georgia, and I decided that it was time to not move away from her and uh, uh, be a father and be a, play a role in her life and help help raise her as, a, as an outstanding uh, young person and eventually adult. It's, it's incredible how kids change us. Right. We do so much for them. And even with your established career, able to make that change for your daughter, that's incredible. And I'm not from the U.S. myself, but a a large base of our listeners are. And if I can say it, you know, on their behalf, thank you for your service, David. Um, I want to talk more about the name and where it came from. I did try and do some research and thought maybe it had something to do with the military, but I couldn't find anything. Where did you come up with the name Five Coat Consulting? Well, so my last name is Five Coat, uh, um, mm-hmm. and there there aren't that many of us here in the United States. Um, the yeah. The name goes back to the early 1800s around Philadelphia, and there were three brothers. Uh, and their name was Finfrock. It was German, uh, Fin or Fumpf, uh, being five in German and Frock being old German for coat. Two of the brothers changed it, uh, to five coat and anglicized it. Um, my part of the family eventually, uh, made it to Eastern Ohio, which was where my dad was born. And then I was born in central Ohio. Uh, there's small pockets of us, uh, out in Indiana and Florida and a couple other, uh, places. And you'll occasionally also run into some Finfrocks, uh, as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, right. the name is unique. Uh, lots, lots of folks, uh, know me. And, and so I figured I would capitalize on the name when I, when I came up with my own, uh, LLC. Now, funny, funny story for I your, uh, for your listeners as they're thinking about, uh, creating their own company. So I decided I wanted to be the five code consulting group, which the acronym is TFCG, which you can see in the, in the logo that I've got on. It's also important, and I knew nobody else had the Five Coat Consulting Group, so I, I registered it as an LLC and 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 did all that. And um, but when it came time to get a web page and an email address, I came to discover that the Tanzanian Forest Conservation Group uh, is also wow. out there and had the acronym. <laughs> And so uh, I have managed to work my way up in the SEO, SEO. So if you if you Google TFCG, I come you. out second to the Tanzanian Forest Conservation Group. Uh, but I would also encourage uh, any of your listeners who are thinking about creating company names. Uh, I knew nobody had the Five Code Consulting Group, but I really wanted TFCG, and I wanted my email to be you know David at TFD, TFCG.com. Uh, instead, now you have to spell right. it all out, and so. Um, you know, just a a, a, a a hard business lesson learned there. That's really funny. Thanks for sharing that. And David's got a great blog uh, on his website. So congrats to you on, you know, beating the algorithm and getting your, your website listed a bit higher. So go check out his blog. Definitely. Um, I, I want to talk about, about grit. You have a book um, that uh, we're definitely going to chat some more about. It's called Grow with Grit. But, you know, I know you have read Angela Duxworth's um, Grit her uh, her book and grit is d- described or defined as you know passion and perseverance um, for long term and meaningful goals. So, can you define 
what grit looks like. Because on your website, it says that you help grow gritty leaders and exceptional organizations. How would you define that? And you know, what does that look like in your business as it relates to how you prescribe for your customers? Yeah. So, um, well, I, I'll give you the backstory on the book and, and that'll be a good place to talk, uh, to start yeah. out with. And so, um, I had read Angela Duckworth's book. Uh, actually she does a lot of her research at West Point. It was after I had attended there. Uh, and she, she does some gritty surveys of West Point cadets. She also does some gritty surveys of special forces, uh, candidates, uh, in the U S army. Uh, and I, I really, frankly, I really like, uh, Angela's work. She's got the phenomenal Ted talk and I, 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 she's sort of the godfather of grit, uh, out there if it would, would be like that. But I slightly disagree with her. Um, and part of it is after reading her book, I came away with a great idea of what she thinks grit is, who has it, who doesn't, how do you measure for it? But I didn't think she did as good a job as she possibly could of laying out a process or a system for folks to build their grit. And I thought that's where the book fell short. And then I was doing uh, some business consulting for another company and they said, Hey, would you take a look at this guy's book? And he, he's uh, another person that's written on grit. Uh, we're thinking about hiring him because we're trying to build gritty leaders in our company. What do you think about his stuff? And I read his book as well. And once again, I thought he did, he came at it in a slightly different direction and uh, came up uh, really with a, a great system to measure grit and who has it, who doesn't. But once again, I didn't feel like he had a really good process for helping folks build their grit and accomplish their goals. Um, so uh, I did some research and, and surveys and did some, uh, you know, work and a lot of thought and then, you know, test, tested it out with various clients. Uh, but I came to the conclusion that, that grit doesn't particularly need to have passion. And so my definition is the will to persevere to achieve long-term goals with no, with no passion like, like Angela. Um, and part of that is, you know, for instance, uh, you know, I do a lot of things that are, that I, that are, that other folks would think are gritty. Like I, I am committed to, I have a dog. I walk the dog every morning. I'm not particularly passionate about dog walking. Um, but sure, you know, I get out there every day. We walk the dog. I get out, you know, I get some, you know, get, get to get outside and see things and, and she gets a good walk and, and, and all that. But I'm not particularly, you know, it's not like I'm following dog walker blogs or, or, um, you know, trying to become mm -hmm. the ultimate, uh, dog walker, but I, I have this sort wow. of perseverance that I'm going to do something every day. And it, it, maybe it's the systems approach. Maybe it's the processes approach. Uh, but I, I don't think that the passion piece has to be there for you to have grit. I think that if you do have the passion, it makes it easier to have grit. And it's one of those things that, that as I talk about how I believe folks build their grit, they have to figure out, uh, you know, if it's a passionate kind of thing and how, how they're going to find their motivation, whether it's going to come internally or they're going to find some external motivation to start growing that grit. Um, so that's where uh, Angela and I differ a little bit. And so I'll, I'll throw okay. it back to you and, and, uh, I, I see you've got, a, I, I definitely see you've got a couple of questions there. 
I definitely do. Um, that's a really interesting take. And the dog analogy, I get it. I, I, I also wouldn't say I'm passionate, but my dog does the same thing. Every morning I put my kids on the school bus and I come back inside. He's sitting at the door waiting for me, wagging his tail. He wants to go. It, it pushes me to get out and make sure I get that exercise and get that time out. But with with you not thinking that passion needs to be you know, uh, a, a part of the definition of grit, um, I would almost say that passion helps you push through, right? When you don't want to pursue or continue being persistent, when you're having those, you know, bad days or you're experiencing that roller coaster we talked about prior to recording. And so if it's not passion, you know, what keeps you going? What drives you? What are you anchoring yourself to to keep pushing? Yeah. So when I work with clients on how to build their grit and accomplish their goals, uh, I, I talk them through six different pieces of sort of the grit puzzle and every person's unique, every person's different. Uh, but, but I always like to start off with, Hey, let's, let's, let's think about your personal purpose. And I think that is always the foundation where folks start out with what's your, why, why are you here? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, and, and why do you exist? And then after we get through the personal purpose exercise, then I talk about the other five elements of grit, one of, one of which is doing good goal setting. And um, if you want to, I'd like to come back and talk about goal setting a little bit because I think I've got some ideas that might yeah, help your, your listeners a little bit uh, with the process of how do you set good goals, especially for personal goals. And I've, I've seen uh, senior executives in my coaching practice uh, you know, that have been successful all their lives struggle to set up their own personal goals and, and get hamstrung over how do you set up good goals for yourself mm -hmm. and why do folks fail? You know, like, I don't know about you, if you tried to lose some weight this year and all of a sudden, you know, a month after New Year's, maybe, maybe you're right back to your old habits. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. should, should we talk about goal setting for a second? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm always yeah. trying to lose some weight. <laughs> I definitely um, identify with that. I mean, for me, it's it's about routine, right? If I can get it in a routine, I'm solid, right? Stay with that consistently. I see results, but it's when there's interruptions to that routine. And for me, over the past two years, it's been, you know, COVID and lockdowns and the kids being in school for four weeks and then they're at home for two months and then you get thrown and your routine isn't there. And so I'd love to talk about goal setting because I think a lot of the stuff that we we hear, it's set goals. I have goals for the business. I have goals for my life. And so I feel like I've done a good job of setting them. But in a lot of cases, you find that goals are reached and achieved through mindset. That is very important. But also for me, it's through that routine and that consistency and creating space where your, your, your goals are almost in a vacuum. If everything, and this is just me, if everything is perfect and aligned, I'm good to achieve my goals. It's when we're outside of that or that routine is interrupted that things kind of go sideways. So how do you approach that? What comments do you have there? And does that ever come up in some of the coaching sessions you have with your, with your clients? Yeah, because of course the busy executives that I work with are traveling all the time, and you know they they aren't consistently working in an office, and the routine changes, and you know they might be on the road Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the office Thursday, Friday, and then traveling you know someplace uh, on the weekends, and so it's tough to get that rhythm down. Yeah, but goal but goal setting. Let's let's take a step back on goal setting and the you know the. You know, supposedly about half of the Americans out there set New Year's resolutions. 
but only about 9% actually achieve their resolutions. And most folks have given up on their resolutions by about uh, Valentine's Day. Now, in pre-COVID times when we all used to go to the gym, you would see that in the gym because you'd be there. I would be there. I'm a gym rat. I would be there in December working out. It'd be almost a ghost town. And then all of a sudden, January 1st or 2nd, the place is packed because everybody has their New Year's resolution. And then by about Valentine's Day, you're back to the usual suspects, maybe one or two new people that stuck it out. And, uh, you know, you see that whole that whole cycle. So the first thing with goal setting uh, to help get over that hump and actually see things past, you know, Valentine's Day on your New Year's resolutions next year is to think about the, the smart mnemonic device. Now, you've probably used smart goals in your business, you know, which is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. And frankly, for most folks, if they can get an SMT goal, specific, measurable, and time bound, uh, they're, they're, they're good to go on their goal setting, but most folks for their personal self don't set a date on it. You know, like, Hey, I, I want to lose five pounds. Well, if, if that was your goal and you didn't say, Hey, I'm gonna, you, you have the measurable piece, you have the specific piece, but you don't have the time bound. You know, you didn't say when you actually wanted to measure that and see. And so that sort of hamstrings people. And then also people don't take the next couple steps on personal goals, which is, okay, if I want to lose five pounds, where am I scheduling this in my daily schedule? And where am I putting it on the calendar? Because we're all busy. If, if you're like me, and, and I think most of your listeners are, and they're system and process oriented, if it doesn't get on the calendar and it doesn't get on the daily list, it doesn't That's happen. It. And yeah. so you, unfortunately, I know folks sometimes fight this that, hey, I don't really want to schedule my personal life on the calendar. But frankly, you know, life is moving so fast that, you know, unless you're putting it on the calendar and putting it on the daily to-do list, it's probably not happening. Yeah. And then right. the last thing that I work with folks on is, okay, you know, you're a busy person. Life is full right now. What are you taking off the calendar to buy yourself space to do this new thing, whatever it is? Mm. And that piece between putting calendaring it and then figuring out what you're actually going to take off and give up. Cause most of the time, like you probably said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to lose five pounds and you didn't operationalize it and think it beyond that of, Hey, what am I going to give up? How am I going to you know, change our shopping habits or uh, change our eating habits? Or uh, am I going to work out more or whatever it is? And then what am I going to take off that maybe is, is, is not helping me get to this goal. Right. That's really good. Um, does that bring us to number three or is there more on the goals you wanted to touch on? No, no, no. That, that, that's great. No, that's great. And then, and okay. then folks have to, they have to build their perseverance. They've got to build their resilience, uh, enhance their courage and finally figure out where their motivation is coming. So once you've got a good goal setting, you know, you've, you figured out your personal purpose, you've set some goals that tie to that personal purpose and help you, you know, build it. And then, then you got to figure out perseverance, resilience, courage, and motivation. And, and, and frankly, the one that I think is, uh, would be fun for your listeners is to talk a little bit about courage, if, if you're okay with that. I am. I want to ask a quick question, though. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're going to discuss it. Um, when it comes to the SMART goals, I mean, we're using the, the uh, analogy of, of, of weight loss or some kind of fitness goal. Yeah. And I had 
um, or I, I come from a, a fitness background. I spent 10 years in the fitness industry in the corporate sense. And so I, I can resonate with a lot of what you're talking about. We, we talked about yeah. this so much, but so much about goal setting, perseverance, perseverance, sorry, grit um, had to do with accountability, right? Like putting it out there, you know, making it known. Um, do you, do you cover any of that? Are we going to get there or d- does that not fall into your, to well, your method? I, I, I put that a little bit under motivation, especially the external motivation. Okay. You know the, you know the yeah. the science all says that the most powerful motivational tool is our is our intrinsic uh, motivation, and the fact that you know you mm-hmm. really want to lose that weight or or stay in good shape or uh, maintain your physical fitness, that's the most powerful goal. But I find the gateway to get to that motivation is that external or extrinsic uh, motivation, which may require you to have a, a partner or a friend or a spouse or a coach that is your accountability tool that's going to ask you every couple of weeks, how's it going? And, uh, you know, just just to be that friendly reminder that, uh, you know, that, that there's there or, or have you set up, you know, a system like you're going to weigh yourself in every two weeks. Now that's an intrinsic uh, motivational tool, but once again, it's an accountability system. You track it you're, you're, you're following it, following through on it. How, what worked for you best when you were in the physical fitness industry? Um, it it was proximity. It was being there, right? I mean, prior to COVID, yeah, I was the guy getting up at 5am. I was in the gym coming home and then having my coffee and reading my book, right? Like I was in that routine, but for me, it was being in the club. It was being there every day because we had, and we were encouraged every single day on our lunch break. We had two and a half hours. That was our flex time. We could do training. We can go for lunch. We can work out. And it was every day working out. And then being in that environment. And even when I wasn't, you know, it it wasn't the Monday to Friday, I was on the weekend. I had a partner I was going with, someone that I was working out with that could push me. We would spot each other. And now like you have kids and you grow apart and no one has any time. And it's like, oh, I miss my workout buddy. And I'm not in the gym anymore. And the dog needs to go for a walk. And oh, I got to get to work because I have a call that I need to start. And then all the fitness stuff gets pushed to the back burner. So for me, it was definitely being in that environment, um, being so close to it that, that really kept me accountable and kept me on track. Yeah. One other thing that I use that has helped a lot of clients is that, that, and I hear you, you talking about it. You were like, man, you know, there was this time when I got an hour and a half every day to work out and I was in the gym and, you know, I had the protein shakes and everything Mm -hmm. else. And it was a perfect environment. And, and, and that Mm -hmm. is your, you know, sort of pinnacle of fitness. But with the busy executives, I'm like, hey, look, you gotta, you gotta reframe that a little bit. You know, you're busy. You're never gonna have an hour and a half or two to work out. So let's start out with right. 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day, and maybe you just do, mm-hmm. you know, three sets of push-ups and three sets of sit-ups and some air squats. And if if that's all you get for the day, you're okay with it because you did more than just sitting on the couch or just sitting in your chair and, and banging on the keyboard. Um, for me that, uh, you know, helping folks change that mindset to get to this idea of, Hey, 10 or 10 to 15 minutes a day is great. And like, you know, I, it doesn't involve having to drive all the way to the gym and go, you know, work out and then shower afterwards and drive back because, uh, that's a, that's an obstacle to actually accomplishing it. 
you know, one of the things I do with the dog is right. uh, there's days that I'll, uh, you know, walk two blocks and do air squats and then walk two blocks and do air squats. Um, so I'm getting yeah. a twofer out of it. So if, you know, and if I get so wrapped up in running the business during the day and I don't get back to do anything else, I'm like, okay, well, I still did something. I still got a two mile walk and, and, and my, my yeah. short little workout with the dog and, um, I'm okay with it. Why don't I ever think of that? Yeah. There's, there's more than enough opportunity on the walk to do some squats or walking lunges or some push ups on a park bench or something. So, okay. Um, that that's right. my that's well, my goal and, for tomorrow. And, and you've then. got it's the deep. uh you you've got the six year old Carrie uh as a as a uh, yes. you can you can trade you can swap them off and uh and, that's true. Uh, everybody gets a everybody gets a piggyback ride as a that's exactly. as your workout. And I've got two of them, so one of them would want to be on my back, the other one would want to be on my shoulders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so is, is is courage number four? Then do do we want to talk talk about yeah. that? And then I think we have. <laughs> one more in your, in your methodology here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so courage is interesting. And, um, so like you said in the intro, you know, I was a paratrooper. Uh, I did 102 parachute jumps over, over my career and, uh, you know, everyone was scary. Uh, the, and that fear is one of the, the big challenges that's, that's, that's out there in, in the military and, and sort of confronting that fear and dealing with that, um, uh, was was super helpful with with understanding and growing as a as an individual for myself. Um, but until I, until I became a small business owner, I didn't realize that the the same uh, same sort of fear is out there as a small business owner. You know, if you don't uh, you know if you don't manage to make sales, uh, you know, you don't get clients in the front door, you don't close the deal, you don't get a statement of work, you don't get the invoice paid. Um, you know, you may not be able to keep the lights on and you may not be able to keep other people employed or being able to help folks. And so I discovered that there's also a, a, a lot of fear out there as a small business owner. Um, and so I think one of the aspects of uh, grit and achieving gritty goals is there's going to be some fear if you really truly have a, have a gritty goal. Um, you know, if you're really reaching and trying to accomplish something, uh, there's a there's a pretty big challenge out there and, the, and there's going to be some fear. And so the army deals with building your courage in a different way than, than, than I talk to my clients and the, the army uses sort of group, uh, uh, effort and repetition and lots of rehearsals as a way to build courage. So you have that courage to go out the door when you're flying at a thousand feet with a parachute. When you're running a small business, those sort of those sort of group things and repetition uh, doesn't always work and doesn't help build that courage. But one of the biggest things that helped me was to to sort of list when I was just starting my new business and and I stood up the company in March of 2020. I like to joke that I, I wasn't being gritty enough, so I decided to stand up a company um, in the beginning of the pandemic. And so. Um, when I started the company, I, you know, I, I definitely had some fear and I went a whole quarter without getting a client. And, um, but in order to deal with that fear, I sort of wrote down, you know, what my biggest fears were. And then I wrote, what was the worst thing that would happen because of that fear? And of course, standing up a company was, well, you know, well, what if I lose money? And then I developed a mitigation strategy for each of those uh, fears on, on a way to handle it. And the way that I did it with my small business was I said, okay, you know, I'll do this for a year. 
And in March of 21, I'll take an assessment and, and see if the company's going and growing and thriving. And if it is, I'll keep doing it. And if it isn't, well, uh, you know, at that point in time, I'll, I'll take down the website and I'll pack it up and uh, send out my resume and, and try to find something different. And so that to me is how you, mm. you really build courage out in the real world. Uh, and courage will man, you know, your fears manifest itself in a, in a lot of different ways from, uh, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of procrastination is how, how it gets with me or, uh, inability, inability to start big projects because you don't break it down into small projects. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, courage is one of those big things that you've got to have, especially if you're going after that gritty goal. Hey everyone, it's me, Marquis. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a bit more about Ditto. If you've been listening to In Systems We Trust for a while, you've heard firsthand accounts of how systems and workflows change the landscape of work for businesses and leaders across the globe. Ever felt like there just aren't enough hours in the day? Is your startup starting to grow and scale and you're wondering how your systems will scale with it? Maybe you're part of a widespread multi-level corporation that needs to update and overhaul its standard operating procedures. Well, if you can relate, Ditto can help. Eliminate team burnout, keep your best talent, and have a clear system in place to help you and your business achieve your goals. Visit thinkditto.com to learn more. I'm really glad you brought up the fear side of things because it's so true for for business owners. There are so many things that keep a lot of people you know, from starting businesses. And when they finally do or are able to, right, that, that fear mentality is something that is so hard to shake. And I know that for me, I'm, I'm about six, seven years into my entrepreneurial journey. Um, and still, this is something that I deal with every single day. I, I, I deal with anxiety. I'm very public about that. We partner with organizations that bring, you know, mental health awareness to, to the world and, you know, provide resources to, to folks that are dealing with this. So it's definitely something that is very real. And for you, you said that, you know, entrepreneurship or business ownership was the last thing that you thought you would get into. But yet here you are bringing your message to the world and changing people's lives. So what would you say to those people that um, are having a hard time overcoming that fear? Maybe they're working a job right now. They're not feeling like they're fulfilled and they want to step out and do something, but they're fearful of all the unknowns. And even let's talk to your customers right now. What are you saying to them and how would you um, prescribe that they go about overcoming this fear, understanding that it probably will never go away. Right. Um, so, so the first thing I, th- I think for all small business owners is to think about, you know, perfection. You're not going to get it right the first time. You know, it is not going to be perfect uh, the first time. And the sooner you can get out there and start iterating, because it's a wonderful time to be in business, right? You, you know, all you have to do is, is put a web page up. Uh, you know, if you're going to sell things on it, you sell things on it. Yeah. If you're going to give services, you can give services. The new remote uh, work is, you know, you know, you know, it's, it's easy to do from the house. You know, you can, uh, it's a great environment to, to be in where before you might have had to buy something brick and mortar and hang a shingle and, and do all the other stuff. And you can, you can do it right from your computer. Um, you know, the, even my experience with my small business, you know, uh, you know, there was an iteration and pivot and a whole bunch of, you know, uh, stuff to get from where I started to now. 
you know, and I, I originally started uh, thinking that I was going to do uh, leadership training and do workshops and, and talks and stuff like that. And then the idea for the book came along. And so I was like, okay, I've always wanted to write a book. So I'll, mm. I'll go out and write a book. And then I was talking to a client that I thought wanted a, a leadership workshop. And they were like, hey, are, do you do executive coaching? And I was like, uh, heck yes, I do executive coaching. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, 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 and yeah. it, it wasn't as right. big as, you know, I, I make it out to be a little bit of a stretch like that. But, you know, I had coach, you know, I, yeah. I had, you know, people that worked for me in the army and I coached and mentored and, uh, you know, supervised mm-hmm. them as a leader. And so I didn't feel like it was that far out of my system, but, but, Coaching in the corporate world is different than the military. And so I've had to learn and grow and develop and go get certifications and do a bunch of other stuff to develop my skills as a coach. Um, but I didn't start start mm-hmm. out with a company thinking that I was going to do executive coaching. And here I am, you know, over two years later, and I've got 10 executive coaching clients that I'm meeting with every other week and, and helping them wow. learn and grow and develop. And so, um, those fears are real. And, uh, like I said, in the, in the courage talk, you know, I went a whole quarter without a client and, you know, you know, that was, you know, in the depths of, of the beginning of COVID and we're in lockdown and I don't have a client and my daughter's in school at the house and, and it, you know, just one thing after another, I'm like, man, this thing is not going to be, not going to work. And, you know, you're listening to your fears and you're, you know, you've mm-hmm. got that imposter syndrome going where you're like, man, you know, why would anybody listen to me and, and, and all that. So, uh, fight yeah. through that and just get out there and try it. And, um, you know, there's a, the market out there is huge and, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, uh, folks will support you and, uh, right. folks that you, you know, never met before will come out of the woodwork and probably end up being your biggest supporter. So, uh, put that toe out there and, uh, yeah. and, and start off. That's so good. I remember when I started off, I actually started running a marketing agency and uh, I was in the same boat as you. I didn't go, I didn't go a quarter without a client. That would have been really tough. Good for you for pushing through that. Cause I, I know a lot of people would have, you know, looked for something else, but I, I kept thinking to myself, no, I'm, I'm not going to give into imposter syndrome. You know, I, I, I am a professional. I know what I'm doing. This is my background. This is where I come from. And all I need to get that start is one. All I need is one person to say yes out of the the billions that we have across this planet. And so I, I think that's what people don't, you know, consider a lot is, you know, the old term is there's plenty of fish in the sea and that relates to relationships and dating advice. But I think it, it, it definitely is true when it comes to business ownership. There, there's someone out there that needs your services, right? And as long as you can connect with that person, build that value, um, the rest will take care of itself. And, and so I mean, you, you have 24 years in, in the, in the army, you know, you're then a focused, you know, facilitator and now you're managing partner of five coats. Um, and you answered some of it already with, you know, kind of falling into leadership coaching and always wanting to write a book, but what were some of the, the turning points or when you think back to it, things that, you know, went off that, you know, got you to realize that, you know, this, there was a future in this for you. Was there anything that you took away from the army or you thought, you know, this is a problem that's not only 
that I'm not only experiencing here, but that leaders in, in, in businesses are experiencing? What really drove you to start um, TFCG? Yeah. So I've, uh, I've been retired from the Army for almost five years now. And so for the first three years uh, out of the Army, I went and worked for a different company uh, that was doing leadership training, but in a little bit different uh, way. And okay. um, part of it was, you know, just like anywhere, and I'm sure with you starting your own agency, you're like, man, I could do this better. And, you know, I can run my own company and I want to be my yeah. own boss. Um, and so those were sort of things at the beginning. Um, some other things along the way that have really helped is um, I'm, I'm a big believer, at least for myself, and I try to, to, to coach clients on this, you know, this idea of always learning and growing and continuing to move forward. Um, and for me, you know, I'm, you know, just, I just turned 51 and, you know, I taught myself how to use Squarespace and I built my own web page, and then I had to figure out how to do the book and hang that. And then, you know, it, the succession mm -hmm. of challenges to stretch you as a person and as a leader has been not exactly the light bulb moment that you're talking about, but nevertheless has been a key part of me continuing mm -hmm. this journey and continuing to try to, to, to learn and grow and help others in, in different ways and figuring out, you know, so I'm always, you know, and part of this was the podcast. Um, you know, I didn't do any yeah. podcasts for like the first year. And then last year I was like, huh, I'm going to see if I can do 10, go on 10 podcasts and talk to people and try to, you know, you know, as part of my marketing strategy was, Hey, I'm going to get out there and talk about the book and talk about what I do. And maybe it'll resonate with some folks and maybe I'll be able to help them that way. Um, I, I blogged and that was how I got into it and, uh, started blogging about leadership. Um, and I, continue to think that I'm uh, a, a halfway decent writer. And so uh, try to try to convey my message uh, through a blog. Um, you know, along the way, people will tell you a lot of different ideas like, oh, you should start a podcast. And, oh, you should do a YouTube channel. And, oh, you should do this. And um, I was very comfortable with writing a blog and I'm comfortable with going on other people's podcasts. And so that's been sort of my strategy, mm -hmm. uh, as a, a, as marketing tools to get out there and, and meet great people like yourself and hear your stories and, and get good, good ideas and hopefully yeah. help, help some of your listeners. Perfect. Yeah. I'm glad you had that podcasting goal. Cause I'm definitely enjoying our chat now for anyone who's counting, we've only covered four of the, the pillars in your methodology. We have the why purpose, we have good goal setting, we have perseverance, courage. What is the last one that you, that you'll cover with your clients when it comes to um, your process? So, so the last one is motivation. And we sort of talked about that earlier. Mm, that's, yeah. that's the sixth. Um, the okay. one I'd like to talk about for a second is resilience because uh, if you are setting out on a gritty to achieve a gritty goal or a, a gritty journey, whatever, whatever, however you want to frame it, you're going to have some setbacks and you're going to mm -hmm. have uh, some failures. And you know, I've you know thought I was going to get contract signed, and all of a sudden the company goes the other way. And you've got to be yeah. mentally prepared to bounce back uh, from those setbacks. Um, the thing that I I, I both talk about and coach folks on, uh, with resilience is really, I, I think the key to resilience is leading yourself well and, uh, taking care of yourself, making sure you're getting uh, enough sleep, you're eating well, you're doing, you're getting your physical fitness, even if it's just that 10 to 15 minutes a day. 
uh, and then you're, you're practicing some sort of mindfulness. And pulling those together with whatever situation you're in, and, and we talked about it earlier, you know, you know, if, if you are a business executive or if you're running your small business, you're not going to always have the same routine every day. And so you've got to have enough flexibility in it to continue hitting your big goals and making sure that you're taking care of yourself so you can bounce back. You know, uh, I know for me in the Army, um, as I look back on it, I, I lived on about six hours of sleep for the last decade I was in the Army. And I drank a lot of coffee and I powered through it and uh, did a lot of that. But looking back on it now, I know that I was uh, a little testy uh, during meetings when I was tired and folks were expecting me to lead a little bit in a more positive manner than the way that I did. But part of that was I was burning the candle at, at both ends and I should have done a better job taking care of myself. I'm sure there's lots of busy uh, entrepreneurs and executives out there that can see that too. Um, so uh, hopefully they walk away from this thinking about, okay, how do I build my resilience and how do I take care of myself a little bit better, whether it's getting in better shape, getting a little bit more sleep or, or eating a little bit better. Yeah. I had uh, a guest or sorry, I was a guest on a podcast several months ago now and um the person that was interviewing me, they were, we're talking about mind mindset and just having, you know, what you exactly what you just said, right? Like leading yourself well, eating, sleeping, mindfulness, and just discussing the the importance of sleep and how when he was younger, he would do the same thing. He would stay up all hours, you know, working on the business and burning the candle at both ends. And he said he's, you know, now in his fifties, and he's like, I wish I just took more time to sleep, to turn off because now he's paying for it, right? Like there's other yeah. complications that have come up and, 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 and things like that. And it's affected his mind and the work and it's just, just sleep, turn it off, right? That's okay yeah. because that is being mindful and that's going to help you to be able to produce more and be more effective when you are on and when you are needed as a leader. Right. And, it, you know, um, one of the more interesting things I think is, uh, you know, if you, having talked to a lot of people, a lot of folks' great ideas occur in one place. You got any idea of the one place where, where great ideas usually usually hit people? The shower, of course. You, in the shower, right, right. And so the you know, they, you have all these great <laughs> ideas in the shower because you're 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 focused in the moment. You've unplugged. Yeah. You're you're focused on getting clean and and re- you're relaxed. And all of a sudden, you see the answer to the problem that you wrestled with for six hours the, the yeah. other day or or whatever. Yeah. Um. And, and I think that that I use that uh, to try to get folks to see that taking a little bit more time to sleep and do things away from the business can mm-hmm. be as equally as productive as the nose to the grindstone and burning, you know, doing 18 hour days trying to, you know, get that program uh, set or w- whatever you're trying to do. And so uh, right. I hope that resonates with some folks out there and they, they take a little bit of time. Uh, another thing I'm, you know, as we talk about folks trying to be efficient, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm, uh, that I advocate and I, I know folks are going to think I'm uh, a heretic for saying this, but uh, if you run or walk or, or ride your bike or whatever you're doing for physical fitness, a lot of times folks put in the earphones and are listening to music or whatever to take their mind off the pain of running or biking or, or walking. Um, yeah. 
I would say try to at least think about running or walking or biking half the days without any music or podcasts or whatever you're doing to multitask wow. because that gives you the opportunity and the mm. space to do that sort of mindfulness and think about you know just let your mind clear let you know let new thoughts come in or different things come in. Uh, I know I'm kind of efficient. I always try to listen. You know, if I'm going on a podcast, like I listen to your podcast the during the morning walk, you know, either yesterday, I think mm-hmm. I listened to yours yesterday morning. Uh, but okay. you, you know, uh, you know, but then today, no podcast, no nothing just out there trying to, you know, let myself sort of decompress and, and take advantage of, of a little bit of mental, uh, recharging there. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I'm guilty for that. I, I can't leave the house. Or I feel like I can't leave the house without my headphones in. And then I'm spending the first 10 minutes searching for a podcast or an audiobook to listen to what I should just be <laughs> enjoying what's around me. Um, just as yeah. we're as we're closing here and wrapping up, it, if you had one message to share, whether it's with executive leaders or people starting out, something that we haven't discussed yet, what would you say to those people when it comes to, you know, any of the points that we discussed, resiliency, motivation, having courage, perseverance, setting goals, purpose and why, and ultimately having grit? What would that message be? Well, I I am convinced that every single person can develop grit. You know, we've all been around those people that we think are gritty. Uh, A lot of times it was our parents uh, because, you know, they worked hard and set us up for success. Uh, I know my parents did. Uh, And so I look to them as an example of grit. Uh, But I think Mm -hmm. everybody can develop grit. Uh, You can continue to enhance it. Even if you're one of the more grittier people on the planet, you can keep growing it and developing it and figuring out ways uh, to get better at it. but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take that chance, and you gotta work at it. It doesn't come easy, uh, and it it needs some needs some work. And so, um, I also think that grit can transfer. So, if you're gritty in one area, you can use that as a way to leverage it into a different area. For you, I think you probably relied on your fitness. As a, as a gritty example of how you built yourself up into a very physically fit person. And then when you founded your company, you were like, hey, this isn't as hard as that time that you know I went and competed in, in, in this or that or, or whatever. And so uh, I think you, know, you can leverage your grit in one arena into another, but you, know, you got mm-hmm. you, you to put some work into it and think about the six components of grit and how you grow, grow it. Beautiful. Thanks so much. David Five Coat, the Five Coat uh, Consulting Group.com. Thanks for being on the show today. Where's the best place aside from the website where people can connect with you, get more information if they if they want to know some more? Yeah. Um, so uh, I blog on the website on Tuesdays uh, and then I cross post it on LinkedIn. So they can either connect with me on the website or, or LinkedIn. Those are the two main platforms that I'm on. Incredible. And make sure you pick up the book, Grow With Grit, um, and take a read through that. Thanks so much, David. Good having you on the show. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. 
If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there.